0: aren't you thankful for God's faithfulness? If we believe not yet, he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. I want to ask you this morning, take your Bibles to Judges chapter number six, the book of Judges and chapter number six. I'm going to take a few minutes before I get there. Um, but if you get there, that's where we're going to be for our message here this morning. I want to ask you a question. I posed the question in Sunday school this morning, and I want to ask you a question. And in a few minutes, I'll answer the question for you. And the question this morning is uh, really: When does something go from impossible to possible? Our message title this morning is "From Impossible to Possible." Have you ever noticed sometimes that God, the tasks that are given to us, seem impossible? When you look at the Word of God, you don't have to look far to recognize that God often asks His people to do something that is impossible. My mind went immediately, as I thought about this, my mind went to Luke chapter number 1. We'll look at Luke 1, Luke 2, as we get into the Christmas season. But in Luke chapter number 1, the Bible says that an angel appeared to Mary. And the Bible says in verse 28 of Luke chapter 1, and I know we're going to Judges, I'll, be, I'll meet you there. Uh, Luke chapter number 1, an angel appears to Mary, verse number 28, and says, Thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. In verse number 31, the, the angel says, Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son. And Mary's a little bit puzzled. She says this in verse number 34, she says, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? What Mary says to the angel, when the angel comes to Mary and says, you're going to have a child, Mary says, hey, I'm not married. Hey, this is impossible. God speaks to Mary, and Mary's response really is, this is an impossible thing. In Luke chapter number 5, you go, again, just a few pages over. I know you're in Judges. I'll meet you there. In Luke chapter number 5, the disciples had been out, and they'd been fishing all night. Nighttime is when you fish. And they come back, and they wash their nets, and they're done. They don't fish in the day. The fish bite better at night. And Jesus says to Peter, what does he say? Peter, get out in the boat, cast your net in. And Peter says, of course, Peter obeyed the Lord, but Peter says this. First, he says, Master, in verse 5 of Luke 5, We've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. What is he saying? Really, he's saying, this: you're asking us to do something that is really impossible. It is something that is impossible. In, Luke, in Mark chapter number 6, Jesus is preaching. Mark chapter number 6, he's preaching. Jesus had a burden for the multitudes, and he's preaching to them, and he preaches to them. He's preaching to them all day, and he recognizes, hey, these people are hungry. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says to his disciples, he says, give them to eat. Feed this group of people. Well, you can only imagine how much food was needed to feed that many people. Verse number 37 of Mark 6, he says, give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread, 200 daily wages, and give them to them? What are they saying? This is an impossibility For us to feed this crowd when we don't have hardly anything to feed them with. In John chapter number 6, we read another story. Jesus sees the man there by the pool of Bethesda there in John chapter number 6. In uh, John chapter number 5, pardon me, John 5, uh, Jesus says, he sees him laying there in John 5 and verse 6. And he saw him lie and he knew that he had been there a long time. He'd been sick for many, many years. And Jesus says, wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answered him and said, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. What's he saying? Jesus, the pool is going to get stirred, and somebody else will jump in there before I will, and therefore I've been sitting here for a long time because it has been impossible for me to get myself in there. God is a great God. And we know the Word of God says, With God nothing is impossible. Our verse for this year has been... I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. You see, how does something go from impossible to possible in my life? And here's the answer. We go from impossible to possible when God asks us to do it. It's easy to look on the outside. We look at the outside of people's circumstances. And you say, uh, you think about Mary. Everything's going good. And this day, everything's going great. And the angel comes and says, Mary, you're going to have a baby. Mary says, that's impossible. And God says, but I'm asking you to do it. And we think about in life, sometimes you hear stories. My daughter Grace was telling me a story of a, of a, a husband and wife. And they had seven children. Had a, the young one was kind of young. And the husband dropped over of a heart attack. And here's a mom with seven kids to kind of raise And I don't know about you, but I look at that and I think, that's impossible. That would be, if I was in that position, that would be impossible. But you know what? For the mom that has to raise these seven kids, it's now possible. We say, why? Because God has brought it in her life. God has allowed it in her life. And she can, as we can, do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Impossibilities become possibilities when God asks us, to do it, I want to look at a story, a familiar story that we're all familiar with in the book of Judges, chapter number six. The Bible says in verse number one of Judges six the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains, and caves and strongholds. And so it was, when Israel had sown, that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites, and the children of the east, even they came up against them. Verse 4, And they encamped against them, and destroyed the increase of the earth, till they come to Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came up as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel. The oppression of the Midianites against Israel was really bad. They outnumbered them. You can see this in the text. They outnumbered them. They would plant crops. The Israelites would plant crops, and the Midianites would come and either destroy the crops, or they would steal the crops. They'd steal their food supply. We find Gideon, by the way, in our text, threshing wheat, but he's hiding. He's hiding because he's threshing wheat so that he can provide for his family, and he's trying to keep it from the Midianites lest they come in and destroy it or take it from him. And the Israel cries to the Lord, and God sends a prophet, and he sends a prophet to have a conversation with Gideon. In verse number 12, the Bible says this, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? Look around, look at the circumstances. If God's with us, where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us of saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Hey, the Lord's with you. And Gideon's like, whoa, wait just a second. This is kind of an impossible situation. I mean, when he looked around, he saw, hey, this is a difficult situation. You know, sometimes the things that we face in our life, we, we find ourselves drawing the same conclusion. Man, this is impossible. This is an incredibly difficult situation. And Gideon communicates, by the way, further. If you look at verse number uh, 14, and the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel. And he says in verse fifteen, "Oh, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Gideon said, Hey, look around at the Midianites. They outnumber us, they're stronger, they're intimidated. We're hiding in caves, and you're telling me that I am going to be used of you to deliver these people? That is impossible. God often asks us to do the impossible. But we need to recognize that when we find ourselves faced with challenges that we think are humanly impossible, if God is asking us to do it, then God is going to make a way for us to experience the possible in the midst of the impossible. So I want to look at this story here of Gideon, and I want to answer this question. What does God bring to the table? How is it that God... What is, it, what is it about God when he asks us to do something that's impossible that makes that impossibility a possibility? And I trust as we look at the word of God this morning, God will use this to help us to meet needs in our lives. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for the privilege to share your word. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd use me as your servant to communicate your truth to your people. Lord, on a regular basis, we find ourselves in the midst of a life that's bigger than we are. Facing challenges, Lord, that humanly we say this is bigger than me. Lord, I'm thankful that when you allow these things into our lives, the impossible can be made possible because of our omnipotent, almighty God. Lord, I pray you speak to hearts, meet needs, glorify yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen. There's a number of stories we could have used to look at this thought, but I decided on the story here of Gideon. I want us to see God's asking him to do something impossible, but I want to see what's to see what God brings to the table. The first thing God brings to the table is sh- security. As we look at the text, God makes himself known to Gideon. He says this in verse number, we read it already, he says, verse number 12, the Lord is with thee in verse number 16 he says again and the Lord said unto him surely I will be with thee and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man he communicates to Gideon I am with you we read a few verses later verse number 36 we read the story and many of you again are familiar with the story here of the fleece. And Gideon says in verse 36 he says to God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry on all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. By the way, we don't see God being frustrated with Gideon, we don't see God being impatient with Gideon. What's God doing? He is giving him a confidence, a surety, a security about what he's asking him to do, that he's going to be with him. And, of course, you know the story. The Bible says it rose up, verse 38. He rose up early in the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And Gideon said unto God, Let not thine anger be, be against me, but against me, uh, but I will speak with this once. Let me prove, I pray thee. But this once with the fleece let it now be dry only on the on the fleece and upon the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night for it was dry upon the fleece only and there was dew on the ground. You think about this, what's God doing? He's giving him an assurance. God's word is true. God's word, God's confidence, what God says is going to happen. I find another another example of God bringing security, if you would, in Gideon's life. Look at chapter number 7 and verse number 13. Chapter number 7 and verse number 13, we see another, uh, uh, what, what you might say, uh, a mark of assurance as we think concerning the task that Gideon has been given. The Bible says in verse 13 of Judges 7 And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow, and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream. And lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian, and came unto a tent, and smote it that it fell, and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the hosts. You know what? When God asks us to do something, when God asks us to do something, God always goes through that something with us. You look at the word of God. There are many times we read the phrase, I will be with thee. In Genesis chapter 31 and verse 3, God said to Jacob, I will be with thee. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 12, God said to Moses, Moses was going to lead the children from Egypt to the promised land. And God assured Moses when he said to him, I will be with thee. In Joshua chapter number 1, when Joshua took over for Moses, Moses had died and Joshua was taken over. And God reassured Joshua, I will be with thee. In Isaiah chapter 48, 43 and verse number 2, the Bible says, When thou passest through the waters... I will be with thee. And through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flames kindle upon thee. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 5, you know the phrase. He says to us, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The same God that was with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the same God that went through the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is with us always and goes through everything that we go through. And God is not asking us to do something that is impossible and leave us to do it on our own. God says, hey, you and me, and really me more than you, are going to do something that's impossible, and I'm going to be right there with you all the way. What a promise. What a security. What a sense of of surety that, that Gideon had for a task that was bigger than he was. Can I tell you something? When you go out and seek to lead people to Jesus Christ, God goes with you. When you go to the neighbor and try to be an encouragement, God goes with you. When you work a job and you try to take a stand for what's right, God is right there with you. When you enter the, enter the doors of the emergency room, God is with you. God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And we need to remember that when we find ourselves in the midst of the challenges of life and think this is just too big. It's not too big for a God, and that God goes with us wherever we go. Isaiah 49 and verse 15, the Bible says this, can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb, yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee. An impossibility, really, you don't find often a woman rejecting a child. We do find in our society more now than we have in the past. But God compares His love, my love is even greater for you than that love of a mother that would nurse her child and the close of her. My love is greater for you than even that. Wow. God goes with us. Number two, God not only brought security to Gideon, God brought support to Gideon. Look at chapter number seven. Chapter number seven and verse number two. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. Obviously, he was not going to uh, uh, share his glory with uh, uh, men that would think that they had something to do with it. And so verse number 3, he allows the fearful to leave. The Bible says, Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. In verse number five, he not only lets the fearful leave, he lets the careless leave. In verse five, so he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, every one that lappeth of the water with his own tongue as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by himself, likewise every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. But all the rest of the people bowed down on their knees to drink water. They bowed down and drank like a dog and weren't careful. The others, uh, they were much more careful as they brought the water to them. And God gets him 300 faithful, careful men. Gideon, go go, 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 go fight the Midianites. He didn't send them by himself. You know what, I'm going to get some folks, some folks that aren't going to run away when the battle gets tough hey, I'm going to get some folks that, aren't going to, that are not going to follow the instructions that I give and do remember the instructions with the lamp and the pitcher and break the pitcher and, and blow the trumpet. Hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to make sure that I have people that, that, are, that aren't fearful, that aren't going to run away, and that, aren't going to, <laughs> that are going to follow the instructions that I give. And he gives them support of 300 individuals that are going to go and God's going to use them to win this battle against the Midianites. Do you know... God always seems to send the people we need at the time we need them. I think about the Apostle Paul when he got saved. I mean, Paul persecuted the church. I mean, he would lock up preachers. He'd try to kill preachers. He'd persecute the church. And he got saved on the road to Damascus. And when he got saved, some of the disciples were a little leery. Huh? You're telling me, Paul, maybe this is a new strategy for him. Maybe this is a new strategy. He's pretending to be saved, and we'll bring him into the inner circle, and then he'll get all of us, and he'll kill us all. Hey, there were some that were a little leery. But Barnabas believed God. Barnabas believed what God was doing in Saul's life, and he saw beyond Saul the persecuted, and he saw Saul the preacher. He saw beyond it, and he believed in him, and God used Barnabas to help Saul to get going. You think about the other individuals. Obviously, Paul had a lot of individuals he names names. He said, I have to the church at Philippi, I have no man like-minded like Timothy. He mentions Epaphroditus in Philippians chapter 2, and he says, he's my brother, and my companion in labor and a fellow soldier. Isn't it amazing how God, in orchestrating our lives, he brings us the people that we need to help us as we face impossibilities. I remember being on vacation in Sedona, Arizona, out in the middle of nowhere, and we had borrowed a van from a church in Phoenix area, and we're two, two and a half hours where we were, away from that church, and, and uh, this van breaks down. Now, I would have thought that the person that God brought our way was an angel, except for one thing. The guy smoked, and I don't think angels smoke. That's just my opinion, just my opinion. We were off the road. We were up at this, like, golf course type thing, and this car somehow—I have no idea how, except to say that God brought them our way. This car pulled up and said, "Hey, are you having trouble?" "Yeah, we're having trouble." And the guy said, "Hey, there's a there's a, a, a gas station—I mean, a, a, a repair shop just down the road." I didn't know where I was. I had no clue. There's a repair shop just down the road, and we're going to help you to get this car from here to the repair shop. It was amazing. Like I said, if we had been on the side of a main road, we weren't. We were kind of tucked up in this, in a parking lot of, of this, uh, uh, whatever you call it, not country club, but pro shop, whatever it was, in any event, and God brought them. Do you know God knows not just what we need, but he knows who we need in the times when we're facing impossibilities. We see this all throughout the word of God. Hey, Gideon, I got an impossible task for you. Well, Gideon, I'm going to get you 300 faithful people. They're going to be by your side, and they're going to help you, and they're going to follow your command. I'm going to take care of you, Gideon. And God does the same thing with you and me. By the way, that's why I encourage us as a church, if God puts somebody on your heart, and you see, well, I'm burdened, send them a text. You don't have to know, need to know anything. I've told you this story before. A number of years ago, I mean a couple years ago, I, I, got, I was burdened for some preacher friend of mine in Michigan. I sent him a text and said, hey, I'm praying for you today. And he sent me a text back. Thanks, I'm going in to have chemo treatments today. And this is basically you sent me this exactly when I needed it. I had no idea, but God knew it. And the spirit of God that lives in you wants to use you to be an encouragement to someone else that might be going through a difficulty. Hey, we don't have to uh, uh, send victory change with all the problems and all the issues we have and say, hey, somebody. No, God knows that. And God knows who we, and by the way, let me say this. One of the things that I try to encourage us as a church, sometimes people will say, hey, I stayed home from church tonight because I'm good. And we think, hey, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good, so I stayed home. And we don't think about the fact that God might want me to go to church, not for me. No, God speaks to us through his word, but God might want me to come to church for someone else in the body of Christ that needs my handshake that needs my smile, that needs me to put my arm around them and say I'm praying for you. I know you're going through difficulty. You see, every one of us can be used of God to make a difference, not just in the lives of the unseen. By the way, we're going to get there in just a minute. But in the lives of one another, you can impact the body of Christ. That's how the body of Christ is supposed to function. Number three, and we'll be finished. When God comes to the table what he brings to the table when he says hey you're going to go from the impossible to the possible he brings us surety by the way we have the word of God Gideon had the word for that time we have the word all day every day whenever we need it we've got the word of God hey God brings support he brings and by the way that's one of the reasons why God instituted the local church it's his church he set it up what a great idea you might, see, you might get frustrated with the church at times. say, hey, this person or that person, but it's God's idea. And God wants to work through the church to grow us into his image and use the church to reach this world for Jesus Christ. Number three, God brings salvation. And I'm not talking about in the sense of, although the application will be there, in the sense of deliverance from my sins. In this case, he is delivering Israel from the Midianites look at chapter 7 chapter 7 and verse number 16 you know the story and he divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers and he said unto them look on me and do likewise and behold when I come to the outside of the camp it shall be that as I do so shall ye do When I blow with a trumpet, and I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. By the way, I'm excited they use trumpets, you know? I like the violin, but I play the trumpet. Amen, Brother Talbot? Amen. They used the trumpets, not the violin or the piano, though I like the piano and I like the organ, uh, but they didn't use the organ or the piano. They used trumpets. Amen. And, uh, and so Gideon, verse number 19, and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets, and they break the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow withal. And they cried, "The sword of the Lord and of Gideon." And then stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And I want you to see this. And the three hundred blew the trumpets. And look at this next phrase. And the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow. The Lord delivered. God showed up in a supernatural way. God did what he promised he would do. And do you know for us to see God do the supernatural in our lives, we have to be willing to face what's impossible to us to allow God to make his strength perfect in our weakness. The Christian life is not easy, but I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. God is able. The songwriter said he is able to deliver. Though by sin oppressed come to him for rest, our God is able to deliver. Turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. And verse number eight in Acts one and verse number eight, we really see repeated the great commission that God gave to His disciples. We find it in Matthew, we find it in Mark, Luke, John, and we find it here in Acts, chapter number one. And you're familiar with the verse? Acts one, the Bible says, "But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you." And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. I said this morning in Sunday school, imagine if we were the only church on the earth. Imagine if there was no church down the street. There's no church down the street this way. There's no church in, in, in beyond Pennsylvania. There's no church in Ohio. There's no church in California. It's us. Here we are. It's us. And God says to us to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And I love what I read in Acts chapter number 2. Because in Acts chapter number 2, obviously God's asking them to do something that is impossible. But God says, hey, I will empower you. The power of God is what we need to face the impossibilities. In verse number 41 of Acts chapter number 2, the Bible says this. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 47, the last phrase, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Hey, God gave the commission to the disciples. By the way, in Matthew chapter 28, he says this, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You think about that. He said the same thing to Gideon. Hey, I'm going to give you an impossible task. And that impossible task is to reach the world with the gospel, but I'm going to go with you, and you're going to go together, and I'm going to empower. You see a a beautiful illustration of what we're talking about when we look in Acts 2 and we see the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Impossibilities that become possibilities because God asks us to do it. What are you looking at this week, this month, maybe today? What impossibilities are you facing? It's easy for us to say, I I don't like the impossibilities. I want to run for the impossibilities. When God asks us to do the impossible, he makes it possible. You think about this. And say, hey, hey, we should invite people to church. Maybe you get a victory chain and you see it. And it says, try to bring somebody with you. And you look at that and you see, boy, hmm, I don't think that's possible. It is possible because God asks us to do it. We talk about this this morning. We talk about reaching people with the gospel. Maybe here this morning you see, boy, I haven't I haven't led anybody to Christ. You see, man, it's been a while since I've led anybody to Christ. You see, boy, that's for me. That's that's kind of impossible. No, it's not, because God is asking us to do it. You see, God wants to use us to impact people. Hey, sometimes trials come our way I'll be honest with you I I hear a lot you probably do too but I hear a lot of situations as a pastor you hear a lot of circumstances people's lives and and you think wow and sometimes I find myself saying wow like like this family of seven kids I don't think I could do that that would be impossible but you know what When God allows things into our life, he works all things together for our good and his glory. And the things in our lives that we look at that we think are impossible, God has allowed them because he wants us to go from the impossible to the possible because he brings to the table security. He brings to the table a whole book full of promises that we can take to the bank. He brings into our lives other believers, a support group, people that love and care for one another. And He brings to the table His ability to take five loaves and a few fish and feed the multitudes. Well, that's what He did with the disciples. He fed the multitudes, and the gospel came to us. What a great God. Let's not run from the impossibilities. Let's say this to God. God, as impossible as this situation is for me to face, you've allowed it in my life. By your grace, it will be possible.